Hi, and welcome to episode number 29 of the CryptoChip Podcast, your inside resource for the latest blockchain and crypto trends. I'm your host, the CryptoChick, Rachel Wolfson. Today, I'm interviewing Michelle O'Connor, VP of Marketing and Community at Uplink. In this interview, O'Connor explains how cryptocurrency can be used as money without borders. She explains what Uphold is and how the platform is being used by people across the globe to gain access to financial services. Let's get right to my interview with Michelle. Enjoy. Okay, so today I'm here with Michelle O'Connor. She's the VP of Marketing and Community at Uphold. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. Um, So, Michelle, let's first talk about what Uphold is, because some of our listeners might not know about how amazing the platform is. So just kind of go into detail there. And yeah. Sure. So Uphold was founded in 2013, which in crypto world is a few lifetimes ago. Uh, We are a global platform that provides access to digital and traditional currencies, as well as commodities. So We basically have over a thousand currency pairs where you can buy Bitcoin with pound sterling. You can buy gold with USD. You can move USD to gold. You can move gold to XRP. We have interchange opportunity and connectivity that a lot of other players in the space don't. We also offer connectivity to blockchain and that if you buy Bitcoin, you can take it off our platform. So some of the more recent um, incumbents in the space, you're buying a representation of a cryptocurrency. We have seven blockchains that we're connected to where you can actually take them off into something like a ledger or a cold wallet or off into the network. I see. So are you guys similar to Coinbase? We share some of our space with them. Um, We have a more broad offering and that we really do sweep beyond just a few currencies and a few regions. We have um, members in over 154 countries. That was the last number that we had. Um, They really kind of go broadly across what they do and what, how they use Uphold. Um, We're not just we're not an exchange, so we don't act as a maker taker. We really serve as people's digital wallet. So mm-hmm. if, if you look at how someone is using Uphold in the U.S. versus somehow using Uphold in Venezuela, they're, they're using us differently. But inherently at the core of what we offer, it's anything to anything. So it's the ability to send a value via email to someone who doesn't actually have an account yet, which is uh, a feature that a lot of people are starting to discover uh, as kind of the idea of cryptocurrency and being able to send money without having to go to your traditional bank and removing the delays and foreign fees and exchange fees and everything like that. Um, we're really providing a, almost a borderless wallet. So what is the problem? And I mean, I guess you kind of discussed maybe the problem that Uphold is trying to solve, but Mm -hmm. I want you to just kind of explicitly say what the problem is that you're trying to solve with Uphold. Sure. So it's it's evolved as when we were founded. um, When we were founded as BitReserve, very few people knew what blockchain or Bitcoin was. So, So we've evolved and iterated from there until now. I think the problem that we're continually looking to identify and solve as it grows is the idea of money without borders and providing 
democratize access to financial services. So you and I here open our wallet and we have, you know, credit card, debit cards. We have easy access to things like Vanguard. We can have multiple bank accounts. Um, knock on wood, our currency doesn't go up and down double digit percentage overnight. Not everyone has that luxury. So in one problem that we're solving, that's a core of our use case. And a lot of our users are actually in Latin America, the problem of currency devaluation and frankly, not trusting their local government or currency. So really looking for an, a way to get out of a volatile currency that's literally just tanking and somewhere a little bit safer, being able to hold USD or even gold or Bitcoin or Dash. Um, in Venezuela, a lot of our users transact in Dash because Dash has a pretty substantial ecosystem already established there. We're the wallet powering that. So one of the core problems we're solving is access to a more diversified currency class, whether it's digital, traditional, or commodities. Where would you say most of your user base is located? Is it in Venezuela? Because it sounds like that's the perfect use case for a place like Venezuela. Yes. Yeah, so we have our, our biggest cohort of users are in the U.S. Um, I think that's mainly because we've had bank connectivity here the longest. And it has just played well to that um, that audience, right? The U.S. is because you're, you could easily bring on and take off. It just kind of was where we started and where our launch was. Um, Latin America is has grown exponentially because we are solving problems there and because there are boots on the ground that really need services like we're providing. Uh, Latin America on the whole, Venezuela is a substantial part of our audience. I think last number... Um, that our CEO shared, we are right around five or 600,000 users in Venezuela specifically. So it is a big part of our um, cohort. It's not everyone. We still have um, users in Europe who are using us more traditional like they do in the US, but we definitely do see a lot of uh, the Latin American market who are say gig economists or they're working as like a graphic designer and want to get paid by someone who is using their services in the UK well, they can't get paid in pound sterling and they don't want to get paid in their local currency. So they use Uphold to invoice and get paid and hold and then spend their money. Does Uphold have a feature where you can do all of that on the platform? We send do. invoices? Oh, yep. wow. There's So if you go in our app center, there are a number of partners that we have who offer different services. So it's, it's a suite almost where we have worked with these, they can use through our open API. They they have a platform or service that they've already built. They plug into our offering and they are able to provide our customers an additional experience. There's um, the ability to earn interest, take loans, send invoices. Um, there's a, a tax service that's coming soon. It's a wide variety and it, it's something that we've been offering since our onset was our open API was really a differentiator and it still continues to be. And it's growing so much so that we, we have a backlog of API partners. They're like, we want to integrate with you. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> we'll talk to you in six months when we have a little bit of a roadmap because internally our team is working right around the clock. Yeah. I mean, so it's definitely much more than just a wallet to hold yeah. and store funds and crypto. I mean, it's a whole platform that's basically 
it sounds like a mixture of Intuit QuickBooks with, you know, a few other capabilities. It just sounds Definitely. like an entire platform that you can do kind of almost everything on, including invoices and tax help and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What's really interesting to me is, and one of the features that I think is very appealing to a lot of people is that you guys got rid of exchange fees. We did. Can you discuss that? Sure. So like I said, we were founded in 2013. So if you look at what we were then versus where we've evolved to now, um, we are very engaged with our community and customers. And last year we did a lot of really in-depth surveys of those customers to say, hey, what's working, what's not? Where are we excelling and where could we improve? Across the board, when the responses was our pricing, um, people found it was too expensive or confusing or the way that it was displayed, um, it, it wasn't consistent with the rest of our market. So if someone went to one of our competitors and then came to us, we were overly transparent and they saw all of the different things that were coming and and what the price was and what the exchange fee was and all of that. And they are basically our customers said, we don't want to see all of that. Just tell us what we're buying, tell us how much we're getting and, and be done with it. So we, in late January launched the new iOS and Android app, which offered a 0% trading commission. So across any of our pairs, you can move within any currency for zero trading commission, we waived uh, our debit and credit card fees as well. So when you can buy, if you buy with the debit and credit card, it's now free compared to previously it was 3.99%, which was another real call out for our customers that that was just too expensive. I think we're the first or one of the first who've done that. Waiving the trading commissions was something that we, we really internally had to Make, make sure it made sense for the company, um, that it, it would still allow us to exist. <laughs> um, and it actually, as far as growth and numbers and reception from the community and our users, I mean, if you look at our Twitter feed, people are just beyond excited about it and, it, and internally is performing really well. There was a comparison yesterday on Twitter where a follower went and bought on YRX, Revolut, Coinbase, and Uphold, a hundred pounds sterling worth of XRP. And I think we were 16 or 17 more XRP than Coinbase, nine or 10 more than YRX, three or four more than Revolut. So it was really interesting to see just, just that differentiation. Right. Yeah. I mean, and a lot more people are starting to know about Uphold mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm talking, you know, to people and I mention Uphold because I'm a fan of you guys and people are like, oh yeah, I've heard of them. And, you know, I think now people are really starting to hear about you guys just because you have these features that are so appealing right. to a lot of people, which is great. But the question that people ask when I tell them that there are no fees you know, the question is, well, how does Uphold earn revenue? And there must be hidden fees. And so talk about that. Like, how are you guys earning revenue and are there hidden fees? Sure. So we have 0% trading commission. We do charge a spread on the buy of the asset and that's displayed for our users as well. If you go to our homepage, you can give it like a test drive because there is a mock of an app where you can say, I want to buy hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin using USD and it will tell you exactly how much you would get. So we're very transparent and forthcoming. You're buying hundred dollars worth, you are getting this, and this is, this is what you're coming out with. So there's not that kind of 
whoopsie at the end where some are um, other exchanges or wallets where you think you're getting a hundred dollars worth, but then you end up with $83 worth after you've already committed to the buy. Got it. So, right. And I saw that on the website, it's very transparent and, and noticeable. So mm-hmm. people won't miss that. But let's say you are earning income in Bitcoin mm-hmm. and that income goes into the uphold wallet. And then you want to take that Bitcoin and transfer it over to your bank account. Sure. So are there any fees there? No. None. Okay. No. So if you get paid in Bitcoin and you want to sweep to your bank account, there are no fees. The only fee in that instance is instead of your bank account, you were going to go out to the Bitcoin network. There are network fees that we can't waive because those are paying the miners. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that makes sense. So basically the company earns revenue through that spread. spread. Okay. I see. Yeah, that's which uh, on the whole, based on our, and it's, I think it's a month yesterday. This week is a month since we launched. We're averaging 30% cheaper than our previous pricing model. So it's, it's been substantial and and it has shown wonderful growth. It's been really well received across the community that we have and new users as well. So, right. And what's interesting, just going back to what you mentioned a little while ago, you said that Uphold started as Bit Reserve, mm-hmm. and that was in 2013. Yeah. So okay, so I came into the space in 2017, <laughs> but I think I remember hearing about Bit Reserve. Can you just kind of tell me the story there? Sure. So uh, it predates me by uh, a few years, but our founder, it was found on the idea of uh, coming out of the financial crisis and. Uh, equitable access to financial services and legacy banks shouldn't have all the control. So um, it, it was taking the concept of Bitcoin and the idea of a tangible U.S. dollar. And it's really interesting because it's almost if you look at what stablecoins have become now, it almost was kind of the first iteration of a stablecoin and that it was Bitcoin and USD, but USD was on blockchain. So if you kind of go way back, that that was like 1.0 of stablecoin yeah. 1.0. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Cool. Well, that's good to know because I didn't know that. Um, yeah. But and I think our listeners, that could be interesting for them because I'm sure some of them have heard, you know, BitReserve yeah. previously, which is now Uphold. So um, there's been a lot of talk about DeFi lately. Yes. And I know that Uphold you know, don't you partner, I think, with Celsius and uh-huh. a few other decentralized financial platforms. Can you kind of share your thoughts on the DeFi space and, you know, just your take on that in general and how that kind of relates with Uphold? Sure. So I think it's really cool to see what everyone's doing. Um, I wish that I had that side of my brain to do coding and development and, and take what creative idea I have and, and build something. Um, or I had the time, but I don't. And we do work with some amazing partners. And like I said, our, our pipeline of people reaching out to us to integrate with the API is <laughs> long. Um, the movement that's happening is awesome. And I think it will help the space entirely as a whole kind of grow and build those products that are legacy finance, but with tech and, and bridge that. But the, the idea is how do they scale? How do they grow? Um, unfortunately now there's still dependency on legacy finance as far as like a USD. And if you get paid in X, how do you actually spend it? Um, 
So I think there is like a um, relationship that's, that makes sense right now. Whereas someone like with our API, we're kind of bridging that gap and there will, for the near term, at least need to be an intermediary, like our API to really solve the problem of, okay, I'm getting earning interest in this cryptocurrency, but how, what do I do with that? Right. How do I spend it? Do I want to just hodl? But that might not make sense. Um, especially if, if it's an idea of that's how you're monetizing your lifestyle, right? If, if that's how you're making money, then it, um, it doesn't make sense and you need a way to spend it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's exciting that there are so many partnerships going on with Uphold because that just makes the platform even more enhanced. Um, In your opinion, what are the challenges that you're seeing in this space that, you know, need to be overcome in order for us to gain mainstream adoption? I think that solutions like Uphold are getting us closer to that adoption, but what challenges do you see that are still holding us back? Sure. So I think we, it was interesting when the market was just going berserk and 2017 and like blockchain and Bitcoin were the buzzwords and ICOs and everyone was thinking that it's, you know, Lambos and and here comes all this money and opportunity. And, and that I think took the industry a step back instead of a step forward. And that it created all this sense of inflation where at the core of what we're trying to do, um, we are going to need to work with regulation and traditional bodies who approve legacy financial services. Because without that, albeit frustrating and lengthy and time-consuming process, um, bad actors with nefarious intent come into play. There was the, you know, there's so many different examples of exchanges who frankly were just flying way on the fringe and took off of people's money. Right. And there was no accountability, no audits, no regulatory bodies in place. So I think we need one, one big differentiator will be there have been substantial movements even recently with uh, regulation and tax law and things like that, specifically in the US that will help, I think, bridge and make it a little bit less scary for more traditional retail consumers to get involved. I think when it's a little bit clearer and a little bit easier to navigate is when we'll be able to really like hit the ground running. The more that we keep it consistent and transparent and understand that it, it, it shouldn't just be a speculative asset, whichever form of asset or whichever crypto you like will help really solve that problem and make it what it was built to be. Right. Yeah. And I know Cypher Trace, for instance, I, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're doing really great, a really great job of, you know, ensuring regulations are met by certain companies and banks. So they'd probably be interesting for you to speak with if you guys don't already know them. But anyways, good point for yeah. sure. <laughs> what does the future for Uphold look like? What are the new features that we can expect to come? I mean, I know, and are the trading fees, those are waived just on the apps. Is it on the desktop yet? It's not on the desktop yet. Um, We are working, our our team is literally working around the clock. We don't work in time zones anymore. It's kind of a joke at the company. We have a substantial team in Europe and then we have a team in the US and a few other teams throughout the world. And we're all on calls all the time working around the clock to bring everything that we have coming. Um, 
there's a number of different things in the next three months that will be substantial, like huge differentiators. I know kind of everyone says that, but there's one product that I can't um, announce yet that will be launching Latin America first, that that is hundred percent of market first, and that will take the everything that we've working to and what I'm really passionate about is democratizing access to uh, financial services that you and I would take for granted. We can do in two seconds in an app. Um, the Latin America market will be able to gain ground in that. And that's that's something that has been in play for a while. It's taken a long time to get where we're ready, but we're finally ready to push go. And that'll be really exciting. Um, we're continuing to open banking connectivity. So we recently launched in the UK with faster payments. And that's been received really well because the UK, especially with Brexit, um, there's kind of people trying to figure out how they get in there. And we're also looking at building a referral program, which will be huge. And that's that's been near and dear to my heart and on my request list for about two and a half years. So I'm hoping that will launch by April. So cool. those are a few of the things that I can talk about. But there's a lot more that if you follow our Twitter feed, I can you'll see more. <laughs> what is the Twitter feed? Just so our listeners can know. Sure. It's at Uphold Inc. Uh, it's U-P-H-O-L-D-I-N-C. And just what is your personal Twitter feed? Because you're also very responsive, I think. On I, I'm super active. So I actually uh, ran our Twitter up until about a year ago. So if anyone has interacted with our Twitter, I still jump in occasionally. And then my Twitter handle is at M-Q-2-O-C-O. And it's M-Q, the number two O-C-O. And if you have any questions, just tweet me. Yeah. <laughs> tweet at her. Yeah. Um, so Michelle, any additional comments or thoughts that you want to talk about before we end the interview? Yeah, I think because, and, and you mentioned this when we talked previously, Uphold is almost under the radar and that we, we haven't really been loud about what we do or who we are. Cause we've been so focused on building and what we're doing and we're, we're changing that and we're trying to be um, a little bit more public focused and to really help inform people. And I think one of the ways to do that is to help identify our advocates and people that have questions and people that want to share input or feedback. So um, anyone who's looking to help expand on what we're offering or give feedback or really anything, we welcome that as a company. So yeah, Twitter, that, that's where to get us. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, that's really, um, really good information, really informative. I think it's going to be great when more people know about Uphold yeah. because they should. I mean, it's a great platform. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you guys know the Twitter handle, you know how to contact Michelle. Are there any other, you know, ways for people to get in touch or ask questions? Yeah. So, um, we don't have a telegram yet because that has just been, I have a lean team and, and telegram is a whole world in and of itself. We're on all the social platforms as well as if you have any questions, you can also contact us at hello at uphold.com. Yeah. And our team picks it up there. So awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michelle. It was a real pleasure having you Great. on. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find further information in the show notes to learn more about Michelle and Uphold. 
And if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Crypto Chip Podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, if you have time, please leave me a review. I enjoy hearing your feedback. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at RachelWolf00, on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at Blockchain and Bikinis. Thanks for listening. See you all next time.